invite you to open your Bible with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. So uh, the last several weeks we've been in various psalms of encouragement and uh, we've kind of switched our tactic a little bit on Sunday. We're working through some sections in the Gospel of Mark and so on Wednesdays we're going to continue working through 1 John and the idea of knowing Christ. As we do this, I'll go ahead and pull up some uh, some notes here to kind of walk us through just kind of um, an introduction. So hopefully we can see what we're working through, but uh, I'll, I'll read the text uh, together. We're going to actually be in just verses three through six, but I'll read verses one through six of chapter two, uh, 1 John chapter two. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So as we walk through this, we have a series of questions that we ask. Uh, what does this say to the original audience? And connected to that, what does it mean uh, to us today? Thirdly, what does this teach us about God himself, uh, the Father, Son, Spirit? Fourthly, what does this teach us about ourselves or about humanity? And then fifthly, is there anything surprising here? Is there anything that we wouldn't expect as we walk through this? We've seen that John has four purpose statements, and really at the end of the day, he's writing so that we may know if we have eternal life. He gives us three tests that we walk through as we do this. Uh, the truth test, the first test, do you believe the truth about Jesus? In other words, do you believe the truth of the gospel? Uh, the second is the life test. Does your life show that you know Jesus? And then thirdly, the love test, do you love the family of God? So as we walk through this, just, just be thinking in these categories and ask ourselves, you know, which test are we coming across today? As we look at this, we've got these four verses. I'm not sure if we'll get all the way through them or not, but we've got kind of the theme introduced to us in verse three. Uh, then in verse four, uh, he, he makes a false claim or a claim that people are, are prone to make. And then verses five and six, he gives two answers, answer one and answer two, as we walk through this. So as we look at uh, John here, He's answering a question, and, and that is, how can we know if we know Christ? And so if you look at verse 3, he says, by this we know that we have come to know him. So what question is John answering here? He's not answering, how do we know Christ? Rather, he's answering a second question, how do we know if we know Christ? And so they're connected, but they're actually different questions. And he's already answered the first question. And how is it that John answers the question, how do we know Christ? Well, he did it at the end of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two. And he, he, he answers this question by going to Christ's atonement. We know Christ through the cross of Christ, through faith in what Christ has done. And so in verse two, he talks about him as the propitiation for our sins. The one who satisfies God's judgment, God's anger against our sin. That's how we know Christ. But the bulk of what John is going to discuss in his book is a second question. How do we know if we know Christ? And in verse 3 here, he gives kind of a theme answer that he's going to walk through in the next few verses. And what is that answer? 
He says, we know that we have come to know him if we do what? If we keep his commandments. And so if you were saying keeping commandments and you're putting that in a one word answer, how, how would you summarize that? You'd say obedience. And so John says that the way or this way that we know Christ is obedience, keeping God's commands. And so as we think through our three tests, the truth test, do you believe the truth about Jesus? The life test, does your life show that you love Jesus? And the love test, do you love the family of God? Does your love show that you know Jesus? Which one of these would fall into? Would this, would this fall into? It'd probably fall into the second category, keeping God's commandments, living in a way that shows that we know Jesus. In other words, our faith in Christ we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. It never remains alone. It never remains by itself. Faith always produces good works. So if we're saved by faith alone, what is it that John teaches obedience does for us here? Does it save us? No, he, he, he doesn't teach that it saves us. Rather, he's already taught that we're saved through the blood of Christ, through the cross of Christ. So if the blood of Jesus is what cleanses us from all sin, what benefit is there in obedience? It's true that God is absolutely pleased with us in Christ if we know Christ. So there's, there's nothing that can improve Christ's sacrifice. It is absolutely perfect, complete, entire. There's nothing you can do to make it any better. And yet, John teaches here that there is some benefit in obedience. And what is that? It's actually confidence or security. So obedience doesn't save you, but it does give us security in our position in Christ. So we don't obey God to earn God's favor, but we obey out of love for God, out of response to what Jesus has done. And there's a distinct benefit for us in this, and that is confidence in our relationship with God. And so what is, what's, what's worse than wondering what your eternal destiny is? I mean, if you're someone who takes your relationship with God seriously, what's worse than being gripped by fear that you might not be a child of God? And John says that one way that God gives us confidence in our standing in Christ, it doesn't increase our standing, but one way he gives us confidence that we know that it's taking place is if we obey Christ, if we walk with him. In other words, it's, it's like God plants the seed of the gospel in our lives. That's faith in Christ. And out of this seed, out of the root of the gospel grows what? Fruit. And this fruit, we look around at this fruit and we see that seed is there. That root is there. The fruit shows us that the root is The, fr the root, we can't, we can't see it. It's, it's, it's an intangible relationship. It's objectively, it's done through Jesus, but we can't see it. And so what is it that we look to? We look to this evidence, this fruit in our life. And so the question comes back then, what commandments is he talking about? Is he talking about the Ten Commandments, talking about the Old Testament, the New Testament? What commandments is he talking about? Well, in John 14, Jesus talks about this a little bit too. And he says, if you love me, you'll do what? You will keep my commandments. And so there's this connection between loving God and obeying God. Now, there's, there's a connection for any of us in the, in it, that we understand in this, uh, I'll say, love and obey or trust and obey uh, relationship. And so a child 
obeys, should obey his or her parents. Doesn't necessarily have to respond to someone else's parents, but he has or she has a unique responsibility to her parents. And so imagine that when I walk into a room and I speak and I say, hey, and the room is full of 25 children, three of them belong to me. Who do I expect to hear when I say, hey, I expect at some level that the three children that will recognize that voice should be my kids. Why? Because it's indicative of a relationship. And so their response to the voice, and this is what Jesus uh, teaches in John, in John chapter 10. The sheep of the good shepherd know his voice. And so the response to the voice of the father, the voice of the shepherd, is an evidence that there's a relationship there. And so when we respond to God's commands, it's, it's like responding to God's voice. It's demonstrating this, this relationship of faith with the Father. And so obedience gives us confidence, but there is an alternative, and that's in verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So what does this person claim? This person claims to know God, but they don't obey God. They don't respond to the Father's voice. The Father speaks, they ignore it. And, and so what happens? Does that obedience save them? No, it can't save them, but it can demonstrate this relationship. And so the connection between verse 3 and verse 4 is that verse 4 is essentially the flip side of verse 3. If you obey, you know God. Verse 4 is the converse. If you don't obey, you don't know God. And this is something that John does over and over again. He, he states something positively. If you do this, then this is true. But if you don't do it, it's not true. It's like Jesus saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, what's the flip side of that? If you don't keep my commandments, you don't love me. And so there's this unbreakable connection. The obedience doesn't save, but it does demonstrate, and it gives us the gift of security and confidence that we're God's children. In other words, kids ought to obey their parents, and if we're God's kids, we ought to respond to the voice of our Father. So in verses five and so verse four, there's this false claim. We claim to obey God or claim to know God, but we don't obey him. Verses five and six tell us though what the truth is. Whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. It's, it's made complete. This literally says whoever may be keeping his word. There's this, there's this indication that there's this ongoing relationship of obedience. It's not something that's happened merely one time in the past. It's, it's happening now. So in verse 3, we claim to be something, but we don't live it out. In verse 4, we act in a way that proves who we are. We don't even have to claim it. We keep his word, and, and God's love is very evident in us. So what's John's point again? It's a point that we've seen uh, several times in 1 John, as well as in Jesus, with, from Jesus' words in Matthew. That's our lives and our words must match. Now, Ultimately, our lives don't save us, but they demonstrate a, a oneness and integrity between what we say is true and what is actually true. Now, here, there is there's a word that's related to commandments. So verse 3 talks about uh, keeping his commandments. Verse 4 talks about keeping his commandments. And 5 talks about keeping what? Keeping his word. So... He's using these ideas in parallel, and he's demonstrating to us that obedience to God's commands for the Christian is actually walking according to 
the word of God. God's talk, God's, John's talking here about our living out what God has declared in his word. John 13, so John 14, Jesus says, you'll keep my commandments if you love me. John 13, he told them what this command is. He says, a new commandment I give you, what? That you love one another. And hereby all men will know that you're my disciples if you do love one another. He teaches the first thing, uh, John teaches the same thing in 1 John chapter 3. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of Jesus and love one another just as he has commanded us. So all of God's commandments can be summed up in two commandments, can't they? Love God and love one another. So verses five and six, by this we know that we are in him. Whoever abides in him or says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So whoever is in Christ ought to walk as though he is in Christ. I mean, imagine this, that if we're in Christ, we're literally walking through life in Christ, with Christ. We ought to live in a way that shows that that is true. John, 10 times in this, in this uh, one letter, he talks about being in him, in Christ. It's language that shows that we must faithfully submit to the Father's will as Jesus the Son did. Like, like Jesus is our brother who obeyed God perfectly, and we ought to demonstrate that we are God's children by living this out. So, so let's wrap this up this way. One of the best gifts that God gives his children, so in addition to eternal life through faith in Christ, that, that's baseline. But one of the best gifts that any of us can have is the confidence that this is true, to know that it's true. And John says this confidence comes through our obedience to God. And so just in the same way that I don't know, a kid's, a kid's relationship with his parents can get difficult if he's not listening, not walking through life, listening to the voice of his parents. It can create friction in that relationship. The same thing happens in our relationship with God. When we don't listen to the Father's voice, it doesn't undo the work that Christ has done. But the big cost is to us because it erodes our confidence in our relationship with the Father. So if you want to know, if you want confidence in your relationship with God, it's by first placing your faith in Christ, and then secondly, living as though that's true. And John says, by that we can know that we know Jesus. Life test, living in a way that shows that we know Jesus, gives us confidence in our relationship with Jesus.